You are listening to The Airing Cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. Today, I'm on my own. Indeed, the house is deserted and I'm just going to have to be brave tell the story by myself and I'm going to tell it to you, to each one of you who listens to those short stories, wherever you might be, on your commute to work, on your dog walk, in your park, lying under a tree or in a hospital room waiting to have treatment. And by the way, thank you for all your messages that you send to me. It does really brightens my day each time I receive one of those and this little project being a non-commercial project is really a labor of love and so to have your encouragement and your support into what I do you telling me how much some of those little stories might be a pause in your day or brighten your day or or just entertain you in a way or in another it's fantastic for me so thank you so much So the story I'm going to tell you today is something that happened to me quite a few years ago now, probably about 10, 12 years ago. At the time, we lived in the southwest of France, in the foothills of the Pyrenees. Before that, we had been living for a good few years in Australia. And so when we came back to Europe, I was only too excited to be able to hop on a low-cost flight and go back to Belgium. So that day was... One of those days, I was going back to Belgium for the celebration of one of my godson. I was in Carcassonne. I was waiting for my flight to to board. And because my seat was allocated and the flight was full, and I thought I would just stay in the hall, wait until the last person had disappeared through the door so that I didn't have to wait too much on the tarmac. Because indeed, The wind is quite strong in Carcassonne, often is. Eventually, everybody had disappeared. I was alone. I closed my book and I went through the door, went onto the tarmac, and it was actually quite cold. And I was waiting there at the bottom of the metal stairs, waiting for the last people to climb up. And I must have been shivering because the wind was pretty strong. And I suddenly felt somebody putting a jacket or something on my shoulder. And I turned back and there was this guy with all his blonde hair, all hirsute in the wind and a big smile, but at the same time slightly worried that I might actually turn around and and, and be cross, but that wasn't the case. I was very grateful. And I said, no, thank you so much. And we started chatting. When we got into the plane, we were quite surprised to find out that we were actually sitting next to each other. So we we sat there. The window seat was already occupied by another guy with a great big flop of brown hair and his glasses and he was very busy looking at a magazine and we carried on with our chatting. And very quickly, the window seat guy joined in the conversation. We chatted and laughed and had a fantastic time. The connection between the three of us was instant. A friendship was born during that 
hour and a half. And we learned about each other's life. The brown hair guy often did this hopping trip between Carcassonne and Bruxelles-Charleroi. He had business in the southwest of France and northern Spain, often doing the trip. And the blonde hair guy on my other side was going back to Belgium to take pavilion for a boat that he had just bought and that was moored in Spain. And he needed that pavilion to start sailing around. He also explained to us that he had arrived in the Pyrenees because his cousin was a vet there. She had got him over for a visit. He had fell in love with the place. He had bought a, an old ramshackle of farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And he had busied himself in the last 18 months trying to fix it. The flight was almost too short for the fun that we had. When we touched down in Brussels, Charleroi, we were sad to have to say goodbye to each other. And at that moment, we realized that we were all booked on the same flight to come back to Carcassonne. Great joy. We decided that we would meet up beforehand, have a coffee together before boarding the flight on Tuesday. We said our goodbyes and we all went to wherever we were going. And indeed, Tuesday came and I arrived all happy at the airport to see my new two friends. And indeed, I found the business guy. Um, he was there and we chatted and had coffee and waited for the sailor to arrive. But he never showed up. We don't know what happened to him. It just didn't show up. So we took our flight, arrived in Carcassonne. We said our goodbyes and this time we exchanged details to make sure that we would keep in touch and see each other again. And we hoped that we would see the, the sailor again and that the three of us could one day be reunited again. But we never did. And the businessman and myself carried on seeing each other. We, we often met up in small auberge in the Pyrenees when his work would take him there. And a friendship really blossomed. And often during those evenings, we would speak of the sailor and wonder. We wondered what had happened to him and where was he and what was he doing? We had no, no way to find out, no way to trace him. So a year or so later, we're still living in the southwest of France and I'm working full time and life has been amazingly busy. Huge amount of visitors came to see us that summer. And I'm finding out that my energies are running quite low. And that slightly worries me because it's unusual for me. Every day I find myself having to struggle a little bit more and finding myself in overdrive. And I recognize the early sign of depression, possibly, having witnessed it in my childhood. I recognized that something wasn't right. It's funny, with, with depression you always assume that you're going to be very sad and you're going to be crying all the time. And, but it's not always the case. Sometimes it's very sneaky. And I found myself in the morning especially finding it very difficult to get out of bed and an alarm bell went into my head. 
And I knew I had to do something about this. And I thought, if I go to my doctor, my hypochondriac French GP, I knew what he was going to do. He was going to put me straight on antidepressant, which is really not something I wanted to do. I went to work and went on with the motion of the days. And one day I was sitting in front of my computer and an email popped in. A friend sent me this attachment. I clicked on it and it was a short video about this young guy who had walked the Camino. Now, for those of you who are not uh, aware of what the Camino is, it's an old pilgrimage route that goes from the center of France all the way down to the Pyrenees, across the Pyrenees into Spain, all the way to the western side of northern Spain. And I thought, here we go. That's what I need to do. I need to walk. And I know that when I feel slightly low, I need to do something repetitive and mundane and literally, as an analogy, put a foot in front of the other. And I found out that one of the pilgrimage routes, because there's many routes going towards Santiago de Compostela, one of the routes was actually passing only a few kilometers from our house. And I started walking. And I must say that it was hard because the temperature was very high and I had my backpack with all my stuff and, and I had no map, so I was getting constantly lost. And, but the first night when I pitched up my little tent in the middle of nowhere, I knew I was going to be okay and I was absolutely elated, very, very happy. The route took me across fantastic, beautiful landscape through small villages, high paths, lower countries, up and down constantly on the foothills of the Pyrenees. And it was very difficult. My shoes were too small, they were new, I had terrible blister. And one evening, as I was climbing again another hill, thinking that I could not go on further, I arrived in a small village and I saw a lady there and I said, do you know where I could put my tent? I'm very tired. And she said, oh, there's a field down the road about two kilometers further. I'm sure you can put your tent there. And I said, look, honestly, I cannot do another step. And she said to me, well, you know, you're just there in front of a small house. And indeed, I turned back and she said, the gentleman that used to live in this house passed away about two and a half months ago. He died of cancer and he used to welcome pilgrims. And often they would camp under his walnut tree in his garden. So I'm sure that wherever he is, he would be very happy for you to pitch your tent there. And as she leaves, I say, what was his name? And she said, he was called Jean-Claude. So I went under Jean-Claude's walnut tree and pitched up my tent. The lady amazingly came back about an hour or two later and she said, look, you looked a bit tired and you looked a bit hungry. So here we go. I've got a pâté here for you. It's a homemade pâté. I have um, a horde of, of black pigs here. They're quite unusual and uh, I make delicious um, meat product from this. And this is a pâté that I've made myself. And this lady and I started chatting and um, she said, oh, that's interesting, you, you're from Belgium. And 
My vet for my black pinkies is from Belgium. And I said, really? That's interesting. Because I've heard of a Belgian vet in this part of the Pyrenees. And I told this lady the story of the plane and the sailor and the businessman. And I told her the entire story and the friendship that had blossomed from it. And she said, oh, my interest is really piqued with this. I'm going to have to find out. And so she left me. So I sat down next to my little tent under the walnut tree and I was wondering once again about the kindness of stranger and how amazing life is at meeting the right people at the right moment. And I got up after finishing my delicious pate, by the way, and went around the garden looking around and there was a big cistern there on, on wheels. And just there, along the cistern, was a row of beautifully crafted and cut and chosen batons, walking sticks, all made from hazelnut wood with a perfect V at the end so you can put your thumb when you walk. It's steady your steps. And right through the last four, five, six days of, of my walk, I had a terrible stick that I had picked up in a wood that was digging into my hand and for some reason, I don't know why, I hadn't found another one. And, and so I left my bad stick against the cistern and I chose myself the most perfect walking stick. And I knew that Jean-Claude must have crafted them and left them there for Pilgrim to take. And it's quite weird because I walked for the rest of the few days with this stick and I really felt it was a little bit of Jean-Claude coming with me on this walk. And it was a presence that was very strong right through. So the next morning, I was woken up by a beeping car. So I got out of my tent, not knowing really where I was. And, and, um, and I thought, oh, the lady for the ramekin, the pâté ramekin. So I got up and got towards the car and she was quite agitated. She was waving at me with this little piece of paper in her hand. And she said to me, oh, I hope you don't mind, but the story you explained to me yesterday, the plane journey with the two friends, the businessman and the sailor and, and the vet. I was very intrigued and I called my vet and I asked her and she is adamant that the sailor, he's her cousin. She knows he's her cousin. So here is his phone number, his mobile number. So I will leave it with you. And so she took a ramekin and waved off as her little car was disappearing down the big hill. And I was left there with this phone number. I took my mobile and I sent a very short message. And I put my mobile in my back pocket and started packing my tent up. And within four or five minutes, my phone burst. And there he was. The sailor. The third musketeer. So we exchanged a few messages and um, I explained to him that it was my birthday the next day. And I explained to him that I was still very much in touch with um the window seed guy, that we had become very good friends and that it would be fantastic if one day we could meet up. Sadly, 
this has never happened and I've actually never met with the sailor. I've never seen him again. But amazingly, this man every single year sends me a message for my birthday with all his good wishes. And I hope that maybe one day the three musketeers will be reunited and that we can indeed share a coffee together, wherever that might be. So I know that it is his birthday soon on the 1st of October and he has no idea that I'm doing this little podcast. So I'm going to send him a link and I wish him a very good birthday. So here we go. I hope you, um, you have enjoyed uh, my little story. Quite weird to be sitting on my own in the airing cupboard and speaking to you. And I wish you all a very good day wherever you are. Until the next time, bye.